Welcome to Season 2 of Trying Our Best, a mother-daughter good place podcast. Hi, I'm Ayla. And I'm Michelle. And this is Season 2, Episode 2 of The Good Place. All right, so let's start by just recapping where we're at. In the first episode of season two, we see that Michael is actually on his third attempt. He rebooted the humans again because they figured it out again, and he did not tell Sean the truth about that. So he has gotten everybody else who works there to help him kind of – they don't know it. They don't know that he didn't tell Sean, but he's gotten everybody else to help him trick his boss into thinking that everything is going well. And at the beginning of this episode, we see that things are not going well. He has high hopes, though. I mean, third time's the charm. He's really optimistic about this one. But then it kind of blows up in his face. And that's because... Eleanor, in particular, keeps figuring it out. One of my favorite scenes from this entire series, and I've watched the whole thing several times now, is in this episode where we have all these different – she's holding a balloon surrounded by cacti, and she says, oh, this is the bad place, or her and Chidi are wrestling a pig, and she goes, oh, this is the bad place, or they're hiding from a giant clown, and she's like, oh, this is the bad place. So having her recognize that over and over again, that they've been put into these absurd and really unpleasant situations designed to torture them, it really kind of makes you appreciate how clever and bold Eleanor is. And every time that they figure it out, Michael has to reboot them and erase their memory. And so it's just lots and lots and lots of erasing memories and also killing Janet, which we saw in the past episodes, can be very difficult. No, I have children. Who's going to feed my birds? Look, it's my child, and it's yours too. So we watch Michael go from really optimistic and determined to get on the wall of fame at his work to really just being sort of depressed and down and feeling very lonely, and he's told this web of lies, and he's having a hard time maintaining it. And so by the time that we really get to the heart of this episode, it is attempt number 802, and Michael is worn down, and the other demons are on strike. They tell Michael, we're not doing this anymore. Your experiment isn't working. So when he finds Vicky all alone, and Vicky says that... There, she has a whole file of all his mistakes, and if they don't get their demands met, then she's going to turn him into Sean, and he'll get fired, probably retired. So Michael has a real problem to solve, and in the meantime, we see Eleanor and Chidi have already started working together in this version, even though they've only known each other for a week. They're on each other's nerves. Eleanor thinks that Chidi is a nerd. Chidi thinks that Eleanor is lazy and not paying attention, which, as we know, is pretty consistent in every version of their reality that they meet in. But they do eventually grow on each other when they have enough time to build that relationship out. In this case, they haven't had that time yet, and they're really kind of irritating one another when they figure out that something bad is going on. How do they figure it out, Ayla? Is someone smoking a cigar? And then she finds one of the neighbors she thought was human, smoking a cigar, talking to another person about how sick they are of doing this whole thing and pretending to be in the good place when they're actually torturing people. And then a lava monster walks by. 
So the lava monster is a pretty big clue that something isn't quite right, as if the giant fountain of clam chowder shouldn't have clued them in that it certainly was not the good place. But anyway, they ask Janet to help them escape, and they go to Mindy St. Clair in the medium place, and we found out, find out that they have been there 15 times before, but every time their memories are erased, and so they just end up there again and again. Mindy also reveals to Eleanor, but not Cheedy, that she and Cheedy have been in a relationship several times, and that they've even told each other that they love each other. And that's really shocking for Eleanor because telling somebody that she loves them does not come easy to her, and she certainly isn't expecting to fall in love with someone who irritates her as much as Chidi does. So that brings us to one of the things we want to talk about in today's episode. By the end of season one, Chidi and Eleanor are very good friends. They have really respected one another, and even though they drive each other crazy, they both very care about one another a lot, and we can see that they each have sacrificed to help the other one in many ways. But in this version, they have only known each other a week. They don't have any of that history. They don't have any of that closeness. And so one of the things that we wanted to talk about is what allows you to trust someone. So what do you think, Ayla? What allows you to trust somebody? Well, I think that in season one, they did some pretty horrific things together and I think that risking your lives with another person can build a lot of bond and trust. So you think that kind of being in a dangerous position can make you trust somebody because you're both going through something so dramatic? Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Do you think that's smart just because you're both in a dangerous position? Does that mean you can really trust one another? It depends. Well, especially if they're the ones causing the danger because I mean honestly they thought they could trust Michael but then he ended up being the bad one that's a really good point and I think that determining whether you can trust somebody always comes with some level of risk right because if you really are going to put your trust in somebody then that means that you have to be open with them you have to be honest with them you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable where you could maybe be hurt and it doesn't have to be something as extreme as the situations that these characters found themselves in this could be just being honest with a new friend, right? Telling them something about yourself that they could judge or telling them something about yourself that you're afraid they might make fun of. And that being able to trust somebody is a step in the process of becoming closer friends. I tend to be pretty trusting unless someone gives me a reason not to, like lying to me or making a decision that I think is a bad one. I think that this show is interesting for the way it handles that trust because usually that can be really gradual. Because I'm like you, I tend to trust people until they've given me a reason to distrust them. But I also tend to only reveal the stuff that makes me feel vulnerable a little bit at a time so that if somebody does prove to be untrustworthy, I don't have as much at, at stake. But for these characters, it becomes life or death pretty quickly. And so the amount of trust they have to put in one another to make their plans work is just, it's a really high level of trust. And I think that that is interesting to think about because even though most of us aren't trying to hide from demons, we might have a situation that is really serious, whether it's like a project we have to work together on or maybe we're making a decision that impacts 
more than one person at a time. Right now we're dealing with this pandemic. And as we try to navigate who we're going to spend time around, we have to trust that they're going to be honest about their risks and the exposures that they've had. And so I do think that trust is a really important part of building friendships and that this show is doing a good job of showing how complicated that can be. Mm, Moving on, we're going to talk about a quote that Chidi says. Chidi calls their situation a nightmare. Um, I think he calls it an epistemological nightmare because he says we can't learn from our mistakes because their memories keep getting erased. And it's really important that we are able to reflect on the choices that we've made and the actions that we've taken so that we can make better choices and actions in the future. But without memory of those actions and choices, we can't do that. So we're just starting from scratch every single time. And I think that Chidi is really disturbed by that idea when he finds out that that's what's happening. And I agree. I think that it's really important that we're able to learn from our mistakes. What do you think, Ayla? I agree with you. I think that it is like the most important part of living, even if it's really small. Like if you were baking cookies and then you added too much lemon in them and they were they didn't taste good. So then next time you made cookies, you wouldn't add so much lemon in them. That's a really good example because I think it shows just how often we call upon our past experiences to make a new decision, right? Like every time we do something, we're like, oh, I don't want to do it that way because the last time I did it that way, I got hurt. Or, oh, I this one w- went really well, so let me do it that way again. We really need our past experiences to help us kind of make our our best choices, build our best life. And we don't just learn from our mistakes. We can learn from observations we've seen other people do. For example, once I was climbing on a rock wall, and then I realized that I was climbing the entire route wrong when I watched somebody else do it. And when I think about somebody erasing my memories, I think about all of the learning that I would lose, like all of the books that I've read, all of the movies that I've watched, all of the lessons that I've reflected on that weren't even my lessons, but learning them from kind of the world around me. And I would feel so robbed if I lost those those lessons, that that experience, those thoughts. And it makes me feel really sympathetic for these characters. So let's get back to the show for a moment. So now that Eleanor and Chidi know that Michael is trying to trick them, they go back to confront him. They tell Jason, Tahani, and the others, and then they find a surprise. Michael agrees with them, and he says that he's going to join their team. And the reason he's ready to join them is because he can't think of another way out. He knows that Vicky is going to turn him into Sean. And so he is afraid for his own career and, frankly, his own life. He's willing to change his path on everything and team up with the very people he's been against this whole time just because they now have a common enemy, Sean. And that brings us to our question of the day. There is a very common saying that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Our question of the day is, do you agree with that? Is the enemy of your enemy your friend? So pause the podcast, think about it, talk about it, then come back.
Welcome back. So what do you think, Ayla? Is the enemy of your enemy your friend? I think that sometimes the friend of your friend can be your enemy. Because what if you think that that friend of your friend is trying to steal your friend? So you've totally flipped it. Not only do you not trust the enemy of your enemy, but you don't even trust the friend of your friend. What about the enemy of your enemy? Just because you dislike the same person or you you have the same person who's against you, does that mean that you two are automatically friends? Well, one, I would be worried that Michael would stab me in the back. But I also don't think that that is how it works. So that really goes back to our question about trust. And there is nothing that guarantees that you can trust somebody just because you have a common enemy. I also think that this goes to that conversation about Aristotle's different definitions of friendship, because one of them is a friendship of usefulness. So it's possible that if you share the same enemy, you might be friends for a moment, but That's not quite the same as being deep friends that are going to stay connected. And here when we're talking about enemy, I don't think we always have to mean another person, right? Like maybe we have a shared enemy in that we're both going to study for this really hard test and the test is our enemy, so we're going to beat it together. But that doesn't necessarily mean that just because we both want to get over this test that we are necessarily friends, even if we could come together and help each other out by studying for it. So in my opinion... Having a shared enemy might give us something to work together on, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee that we are going to be friends. Also, what if you don't like the person that you're working with? What if you just don't like what they do or how they act? And I think that's definitely going to be the case for the characters in The Good Place because Michael is literally a demon and they're humans, so they don't have a whole lot in common. And Michael has spent his entire career trying to torture humans, specifically these four. He's on the 800-something attempt of making their lives as miserable as possible, or their afterlives anyway. So there's a good chance that they're not going to get along very well, even if they do share an enemy. And I think it can be hard since Michael outpowers them. It reminds me of a book I once read. So there were humans and there was a vampire. And the vampire wanted to be friends with the humans. But the vampire was like, it was a monster and like a known enemy. And the vampire could do almost whatever he wanted with the humans. So in that book that you read, were they able to overcome that? Were they able to be friends even though there was that power imbalance? Yes, they were. In fact, they went on some very long journeys together. So that's a good spot for us to stop and sort of look forward at from the end of this episode. Michael has readily said, yep, I'm on your side. Let's do it. Let's team up. And the humans look very skeptical. For one, they're very confused. They've only known each other a week. They just found out that they are actually in the bad place. They don't know who to trust or what to do. And here, Michael didn't put up any fight. He didn't argue with them. He just immediately says, yeah, I'm on your side now. You can trust me now. And they're going to have to decide if that's right, if they can trust him or not. And I think that's going to be a tough decision. Would you trust him? I would not trust him, especially since they thought they could trust him before. He specifically told them that his door was open, that they could trust him. But it turns out that they that he was trying to torture them the whole time. So what what are they going to do about that? 
That's a really good point. He's already proven to the very limited memories they do have that he cannot be trusted. And so to make that decision to just switch and decide to put their lives in his hands is going to be really difficult to to decide to do. So I'm interested to see how they handle that in this next episode. And that concludes our episode for today. We'll hope you'll join us next week and see the next episode. 